0: We'll say hello to those who have been celebrating Easter as well as Passover this long weekend. Long weekend for extra long weekend. Sorry for some, we had a long weekend of sorts. I know Jerry had to work Friday. I was here Saturday. Jerry, Greg was here throughout the weekend working on a project that he will we'll all hear this week. Uh, but some are off today as well including half of our building. We're literally divided by the bridge that separates broadcast side from sales and administration. They're all off today. So if you
1: sense a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of angst in our voices this morning, that is why. Because we're, uh, we are truly a building divided today, and I know that many families are divided today because there will be some that have to go to work today, others that do not because of what is affectionately known as Easter Monday. Mm-hmm. And of course, it, it only makes sense. In some regard, right? Because Easter holiday is a statutory holiday. Just about everything was closed yesterday. Yep. But if you don't work on Sunday regularly, you miss out on a holiday day. So some people get that holiday day today. Some people just don't get it at all. Uh, Where do you fit in? We'd love to hear from you.
0: And actually, now that you mentioned that, if Christmas falls on a weekend, Mm -hmm. we get... That's right. If it was a Saturday, we'd get the Monday off. Correct. Okay. Anyway.
1: (laughs) No, I think, I mean, I don't know, but I think it gets made up to us in other ways Yeah, it does. this day. Yeah. So, uh, you know, let's...
0: But I'm speaking on... I, I, I'm curious to know how it might work for others who oh, have this to work. Is absolutely. this uh, Absolutely. So, yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know, if you work today, let us know and what kind of job you do. And if you don't work... What are you doing you the day off? Yeah. <laughs> Go back to sleep. Because I've always been curious, genuinely curious as to how many of us, how many of you have to work on Easter Monday and what the job fields are. I know that uh, some of my friends who work uh, private sector finance jobs or insurance jobs, they'll be at work today, uh, but others won't be. So I'm just curious. Shoot us a text, 204 6868 We also have lots of stuff to give away today. Lots of stuff. And I'll just give the quick disclaimer right now. You won't be able to come pick it up today. Not right now. Oh, is the phone already ringing? Not giving stuff away just yet. But we do have our win local qualifier at 715, where we will be looking for a qualifier to join us at One Great City Brewing Company on next Monday, April 9th. my God. Seven days away. Sneaking up.
1: Uh, Yeah, it is going quickly, although April feels as though it's kind of the beginning of March here. And it's not just in Winnipeg. It is darn cold out there right now. And, you know, I think... We did pretty good getting to 609 without complaining about the fact it's minus 17 outside our studios at at Polar Park. My dad's making his way home from Arizona right now, and he posted some video on Facebook last night. He he went to St. Louis on his way home to visit the arch, the magnificent 613 foot St. Louis Arch, maybe it's 612, clad in stainless steel. It's an amazing place if you ever get to go there because the structure, even though it's kind of oddly shaped, you can go to the very very top of it in a very unique elevator situation. You get in these little pods that they have mercury leveling devices inside of them. So they kind of click you all the <laughs> way up in the arch to keep you level. It's an amazing site. It's a great place to go. Uh, put it on your uh, list of big things to see and do. Anyway, my dad posts a video yesterday evening. He's in a whiteout. In Missouri, snowstorm. Wow. And so, yeah, New York this morning, it's opening day at Yankee Stadium. It's snowing in New York right now. Uh, They say it will stop and warm up enough that they'll be able to get in that ball game today. But uh, unusual weather all across North America over the last few days.
0: Yeah, that is actually, that's bizarre. It's frightening. Glad Mm -hmm. it's not here. Yes. Um, Somebody posted a picture on social media yesterday it was our uh, it was our friend Kim Gazelle, who's a you know somewhat freak, infrequent contributor. We have her on as a guest from time to time. She pitches us ideas, and she posted a picture where she said, "I know it just feels like it's kind of getting late to have snow on the ground, but I did find this picture of a friend who posted it on Twitter, and it was I guess this person just went out in front of their street and took pictures every April first for the last five years. Oh, neat." So they, you got to see a comparison in 2013, 2014, like three feet of snow on the ground still. And then the last couple of years, it's been mostly like basically as it, it is now where there's still some snow, but it's mostly just ugly and kind of dirty and gross. And that That awkward transition where everything's frozen. Yes. And we're waiting for it to go away and turn green. So it could be worse. Could be worse. We could still have four feet of snow on the ground.
1: We just got a text message here, and I just want to set something straight here in yeah. response to it. It's only civil servants and civic prov- provincial feds that get the four-day weekend. Private industry works today. This four-day weekend is a joke. No mail today. Well, texter... There are people in our building. We are private industry that are getting today off. So I don't think the only private industry people getting today off are those working in
0: sales at uh, Chorus Radio Winnipeg. We also had uh, someone point something out. This is the quota 2047806868. I don't think Easter Sunday is a stat holiday, but Good Friday is, and that's a good point. I just checked uh, the Manitoba statutory holidays on the uh, government's website, and Good Friday is listed, Easter is not. So why were the malls closed yesterday? Uh, well, I think that's just to recognize the fact that it's a major religious interesting day. But interesting. As, in terms of a stat, I think. It's a holiday, but in terms of a stat, I guess... It is not.
1: Thanks for the uh, text message back, Ward. I'm glad you're uh, on your uh, best behavior this morning. Nice to hear from
0: you. It's Macklin McGarry on 680 CJOB. Greg and Brett with you on
1: what is for some a holiday Monday, the good old Easter Monday. It's tense in our building this morning (laughs) because some of us are here and uh, we're always here before the rest of the building, but we have... uh, Well, we're not too happy about the fact that uh, some (laughs) of the folks in our building won't be showing it up up at all today because they have the day off in lieu of uh, Easter Sunday yesterday. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. What is your work situation? Are you lamenting the fact that you don't get the day off, but perhaps your spouse, partner, friends... Otherwise, get it off. Send us a text message, 780-6868. Yesterday, of course, was Easter Sunday, but it was also April Fool's Day. Some fantastic April Fools uh, from different organizations across the country and around the world. And we'll share some of those with you as we make our way throughout the morning. You can send us your favorite ones, gmac at cjob.com or brett at cjob.com. But golfing in the dark, Bruce Springsteen sang about dancing in the dark, (laughs) but golfing in the dark is something that we've seen on the PGA Tour a couple of different times. But this was extraordinary last night into the evening at the LPGA tournament that used to be
0: known as the Dinah Invitational. That's right, and then it was the Craft Nabisco, now it's the ANA Inspiration, and this is a tournament that uh, happens in Rancho Mirage, California. And we bring this up, I mean, the, the fact that it happened is just kind of neat, but there is a relatable component that I think we can all sort of uh, revisit from memories in our past. But what we see on television, whenever you watch a golf tournament that goes into the evening, they always go out of their way to say, what you're seeing on the screen is not what we're seeing, because they can, whatever, with their lenses, they can let in more light, and uh, they will occasionally say, by the way, this is what it looks like. And they did that at one point, and they showed them on the tee, and it was super dark, really dark. Now, what happened is, they went, the it, it, final round of the ANA Inspiration, the first major of the LPGA season, there were three women who were tied going in at the end of regulation. So they went to a playoff hole. It was B Park, Jennifer Song, and Pernilla Lindbergh. And they played the 18th hole once, and they all got a par. So they went back to the tee and played it again, and they all got a par. And at this point, the commentators are starting to panic because they know that they're going to be chasing daylight. And anybody who's golfed in the evening... I mean, Jeff Courier and I did this last year in October. We went to Bridges in late October, and I think we teed off at 3 o'clock, and the sun comes down around 6.30 around that time of year, and we knew we were racing. We actually paired up with the guys in front of us on 18. because We said, hey, guys, can we just tee off with you because we're not going to make it. And sure enough, we finished the hole, and by the time I got in my car and started to drive away, just five minutes after we finished, it was dark, like black, the sun was gone, there was nothing. So it's 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 a race. So you're watching these women tee off, they play a third playoff hole. One of them gets eliminated, but two of them are still in it. Oh boy. And the commentators, they thought it was done. And then they Why said Why did they think it was done? Well they just assumed it would be finished. But they said, I, hang on, they're walking like they're going back to the T. <laughs> NB Park and Pernilla-Lindberg. And then they got the official word from the, the rule, the the ref or whatever, the rules official uh, said that they were going to go back. The women looked at each other and said, you want to keep going? Yep. Because it's up to them, right? If one of them had said, I can't see in this, that would have been the end of it. Oh, so when you say you thought they were done, you thought they were done for
1: the day or for the night and th- they were going to come back yeah. today.
0: Yeah, the commentators figured that it would it was finished and they were going to they were going to hold off and come back today and they decided they wanted to play again and that's when they showed from behind what it actually looked like in the dark and it was there was just a hint of daylight on the horizon as the sun was setting. It was pretty dark and by the time that they got to the green they had set up this big floodlight that was shining down on the green, and they it's casting all these weird shadows. I've never seen it before, and it, I mean, I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I just personally haven't seen it. So it was really cool. And one of the commentators made a comment that this is where I kind of wanted to what really made me smile was they said, this kind of reminds you of when you're a kid and you were out playing past the sunset, trying to sneak in that just that extra few minutes of playtime or whatever it was you were doing, and I remember playing basketball in my buddy Brad McGinnis's back lane when we were teenagers. We'd be out till 9.30, 10, 10.30, basically until the neighbors would chase us away. <laughs> uh, because there was also a fairly, fairly bright light in the back, so you can't see anything else but the basketball hoop.
1: Oh, we used to play ball hockey to the last possible moment, and typically it took someone getting a puck in the eye or a ball in the eye or a stick up high (laughs) to finally say, okay, guys, I guess it's time to pack it in. We did a couple of different years. We did something called the Hammer Cup. It was the, the, the guys that lived on the west side of Isaac Brock versus the guys that lived on the west side. Of Isaac Brock. And we would have this ball hockey tournament. It was a best of seven series. And this thing was intense. We played in the back lane seven straight nights. Because it went, I think both years it went to seven (laughs) games. And, uh, yeah, you had to finish the game, right, regardless of the conditions. So uh, when you were telling the story this morning about you and Brad playing basketball till late into the night, it was bringing back some very cool memories. Because the only rule in my house when I was a kid in terms of being home was you got to be home by the time the streetlights are on. Yeah. And so... that really resonated with me, so uh, thanks for walking me back.
0: And uh, by the way, they still didn't settle anything after the fourth playoff <laughs> hole. <laughs> so they, go, they do have to play today. <laughs> so Inby Park and Bernilla Lindbergh will have to play again. They're going to play at uh, 8 a.m. Pacific time, so 10 a.m. our time. They're going to play the 10th hole, the 17th, and the 18th, and I guess that they're still going, they'll have to figure it out from there. But it was just a really neat moment in uh, one of the major tournaments in the LPGA, something really cool that I have never seen, and it made me think of my childhood, and if you want to share your childhood playing into the dark stories, you can text us, 204-780-6868, or you can email brett at cjob.com and gmac at cjob.com. And just quickly on the the, the golf note, the Masters this weekend.
1: Oh my, so that means the Par 3 tournament will be Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken, probably be a little bit of Pro-Am action tomorrow. I don't know what the weather like is in Augusta, but I do know that in parts of the United States, it is unseasonably cold and blustery. Snow in the forecast today in New York and parts of New England as uh, Major League Baseball kind of gets into uh, full swing after the first uh, weekend, its earliest opening ever for Major League Baseball. As teams uh, enter into their second series of the season, the Blue Jays lost three of four to the Yankees in Toronto over the weekend for those that care about that stuff.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And when
1: I mean that stuff, I mean the Blue
2: Jays.
0: (laughs) Just uh, to circle back to to last week, how we were talking about uh, the Blue Jays and do we really care about the Blue Jays? Oh, I see Scott has texted us a picture of... Torx fake news, Russian Imperial Stout. Looks like Scott's having a good uh, Monday morning. It's Macklin McGarry on 680 CJOB.
1: This resentfulness I'm having towards some of my co-workers today is turning into a lack of reading comprehension. <laughs> 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 Kelly Moore sets up the, the sport so gracefully, and uh, I interpreted... This is the uh, Blue Jays uh, losing three of four against the Yankees. In fact, they ended up splitting their season opening series two games apiece. So I'm on my high horse here about the Blue Jays and whether or not they really matter. And I look at the Major League Baseball standings and my Chicago Cubs are two and two as well. So I uh, will fall on the sword. I apologize for uh, leading folks astray. And... uh, My feelings on the Blue Jays do stand, however. I will not alter those. (laughs) (laughs) Many of us are coming back to work from a long weekend of sorts, having Good Friday off. However, coming into the station today, we were reminded that there are some people that got an even longer weekend off, namely the administration side here at 680 CJOB, and we know that they are not alone. No doubt they will be coming into work a little bit extra refreshed this mor or tomorrow morning. Uh, even if they are listening this morning and getting worked up as they do so. Today we're having coffee, talking about coming into work when other people have the day off. And I think we should start with our good friend behind the glass, Jerry, <laughs> because nobody knows about this better than Jerry.
0: Well, I suppose maybe uh, I was in here on Friday. Uh, none of you folks were here with me um we were here in spirit jerry oh well hey that makes it all better yeah thank you very much i appreciate that and you know i think i I, were, I was here on christmas as well There was none of you here with me on christmas once again here in spirit jerry. oh oh hey that makes it all better thanks you're a lot. making that, that sweet sweet stat holiday pay though that is true you know I, I can't be mad at you i mean i am i'm making that sweet sweet as you say stat holiday pay
3: uh so hey bring it on i'll work any holiday as long as i'm gonna make that good old time and a half <laughs>
0: Yeah, when I was uh, when I was uh, in Jerry's position on a on an hourly uh, wage I lapped up all those holidays and any job that I worked I'd volunteer to work them um, So yeah it, it, it makes a difference in that paycheck for sure so good for for Jerry for Absolutely. holding down the fort. Are I was you, sleeping. Are you, are,
1: you, <laughs> <laughs> are you resentful, Shanley?
4: Uh You know, it's funny because I always had to work Easter Monday. I've never, ever gotten it off. And I was really surprised to learn that the admin side here got the day off. So, um... Uh, maybe, maybe slightly, but not really. I'm happy for them that they get the the, the extra day off and can come back refreshed. And in fact, actually, uh, like Jerry, I've worked a lot of holidays here. It's only in the past year or so that I've, I've haven't really been working holidays, but I've worked Christmas and all the other holidays, and I actually don't mind working on the holidays so much because there's this nice kind of quiet when no one
0: else is here, and there's Sometimes, no managers uh, around. Yeah, the stakes the stakes <laughs> have never been lower. As a- That's right. Our boss is taking the day off. That's yeah. right. So who's going to leave at ten o'clock? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: for those of you that are maybe lamenting the fact that you're not going to get mail delivered to your house today because postal workers get today off, most of us do get Louis Riel off that is not a federal holiday and so the postal workers delivered. and a lot of uh, federal government workers have to work that I think day
0: August long weekend
1: falls yep. into similar territory I believe that's you're right So just you know as we're uh, hey, the we're working today casting dispersions. We'll get another
5: day off down the road probably in May or June. Said the guy who took the 6.30 news off. Yeah, and I'd much rather have a day off in June than whatever is, you know, the weather's not so hot today.
1: Yeah, so. because of uh, course is good to us, right, yeah. Kelly? They,
5: they they do make that day up for us somewhere down the line. Absolutely. i tell you, at month end, I would not switch places with the uh, ladies in payroll. Uh, at any time, I would not switch places with those poor guys in sales. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever heard some of their voicemails, but I have. <laughs> <laughs> so, if they need an extra day to collect their wow. thoughts and uh, and gather their wisdom, I'm down with that. I I agree 100 percent with Shanley. I it actually kind of, kind of like enjoy uh, working days where it's just the on air staff in the building. Yeah, there just there is there's a totally different vibe here much more relaxed, much more easygoing, and then uh, you can actually have some fun. We can well, get away with things. You can yeah. get away with things, and you do get
1: things done that you wouldn't otherwise get accomplished. I think I was here every day over the weekend. I can't remember if I came in Good Friday or not, but I was certainly here Saturday and Sunday. I that's, They all blur into one another, and it is nice because you you do get a little bit of peace of quiet and a even little bit Bill of... Even with on Saturday? Well, yes, yeah. even, even with. Wow. Even yeah, with. no, I was in since yesterday right yes yeah you know, i was, I was in yesterday. sunday morning for a few hours and i did in like three hours what it would have taken me over two weeks to do in bits and pieces dribs and drabs throughout the day of a regular workday. yeah and hopefully uh kim lawson's not Listening this morning to to <laughs> kind of hold that. I against hope she us. is, and she
2: should feel bad that we had to come
5: in on our own. Work on this project that we. We'll <laughs> I'm glad she's not here because all I hear about is how great Justin Smoke and the Blue Jays were. Yeah, on yeah, five, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, 500 <laughs> stuff.
2: Yeah, we and, have, and she could smooth over a lot of these rough edges by bringing in a box of donuts later in the morning <laughs> when she does come in. <laughs>
1: Any specific requests? Uh, Chocolate dip. Chocolate (laughs) dip. I'll take a sour cream glaze. Kelly Moore. I'll pass on donuts. Donuts. Jerry. I'll have Kelly's.
6: I'll take a bagel.
1: Bagel (laughs) for Jerry. I'll take a cooler. I hope you're writing this down, Kim. Boston cream, uh, Jerry, and just in case Kim is not writing this down, do you mind, you know, taking the audio section? <laughs> I'll up? send it to I'm her. Yeah. you. I'm to lead with it on the seven o'clock that
0: news. To her? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, that'll be outstanding. I'll lead with it on the news at seven. We have a text here. Someone saying, "So Easter Sunday's not a stat holiday. Why then do provincial and feds get it off on Monday? I work under contract for feds, but I still work today. They have it off." I'm just the same Canadian as they are, so why do they use my taxpayer dollar for a day off? Not fair! <laughs> I like the way you read that, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta repre- try yeah, to the, represent the disgust. Uh, absolutely, yeah.
4: Right, you're you, you reading that reminds me of Mark Hamill as the Joker, <clears throat> reading Trump's by uh, reading tweets by Trump. Oh! <laughs> so, that's kind of what that made me think of.
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's high praise. Mark Hamill's uh, voice work is exceptional. So you can let us know, 204-780-6868. We are getting More feedback on whether or not you have to work on days like this. Uh, Kristen says 10 extra days off for regular people. Uh, She worked yesterday and will work today. And she adds that if Christmas falls on my regular workday, I'll work that too without getting a different day off. Oh, that's that's kind of not. Cool. I sense an investigative report coming up. Uh, I work in healthcare, says
1: another listener. I don't get any stat holidays off. I will ask the question, though, do you get the time and a half or the double time or the double time and a half working stats? Would love to know that. They Not do. that it makes I, it any better. Well,
5: they do in BC. My daughter's a nurse and she loves working Christmas I Day. know lots of people do love working the holidays as well. Kelly
1: Moore, Shanley Vidal, Jeff Braun, Behind the Glass, Jerry. Thanks for this.
0: Just as Jeff was wrapping up his newscast, a story entered into our local news run that struck fear into my heart. The title of the story, Beer Tax Increase. Ah, I remember this now. This is part of a liquor tax escalator announced by the feds last year. So the federal tax rises by the rate of inflation April 1st of every year. So that means the liquor tax went up 1.5% yesterday. Ooh, on hiss. beer. Ooh, beer indeed, Beer Canada is still trying to fight this tax. Uh, they've posted a petition on its website to axe the beer tax. Speaking of taxes and things going up, I just went on to GasBuddy.com trying to figure out where gas
1: prices are at. Yeah. I've seen it up to one fifteen, and then I saw someplace down at one o five yesterday. And on the way in, I was seeing it at $1.13.9, and that seems to be where things are settling in this morning. Um, let's see here. More yeah, lowest I price.
0: As, I saw it as low as a dollar three, I think.
1: So there is a dollar five uh, on Ness uh, on Domo, on Ness at Domo and Shell. So maybe a little bit of a price war happening there at those two locations. Dollar uh, thirteen, dollar thirteen, dollar fifteen. So. Um yeah the shell on Marion it's at 10391057 that's, 1057. One. that's you- where i saw 105 was on grant yesterday oh. at the co-op so it's still listed at gasbuddy.com so you may be encountering a wide discrepan- discrepancy of gas prices as you make your way around the city today
0: um I want to read this text message in a moment, but I'll just quickly ask you, what is the deal with those two gas stations on Marion? There's the Domo I'm not and sure. uh, the Husky across the street, and they're always cheaper, but it, it, they're like this little island of gas prices.
1: I think that they consider that Domo kind of their wholesale outlet and where they run a bunch of... Uh, different pricing out of they'll have these uh, double coupon Tuesdays and Thursdays and that's completely inaccurate. That's a random sort of uh, idea that that I've seen over there. Uh, and I think the husky just has no choice but to match them.
0: yeah okay. so
1: they got a lot of property there so they can pack a lot of a lot of cars to, to wait in line over
0: there on Marion. Yeah, I don't know why I don't stop for gas there more often because I drive up and down Marion anytime I have to visit uh, family and friends in Transcona. And before we move on from Tax to sax, as in Sax Fifth Avenue, I want to read this text message. Uh, just, it says, morning guys, just headed into work at 995 Milt Stegall Drive. Thought about dropping off some donuts and a steep tea for Greg, but remembered there won't be a receptionist to give <laughs> them to because they have the day off. Have a great day, signed Gary. Thanks,
1: thanks, thanks. I think
0: Gary. <laughs> Hudson's Bay is advising customers of Saks Fifth Avenue, Lord and Taylor about a data security issue. With a brief look at this, here's Global National's Robin Gill.
6: Hudson's Bay Company is telling shoppers to take a closer look at their credit card and debit statements following a major security breach. The company says data from more than 5 million credit and debit cards was stolen and put up for sale online. That affects customers who shopped at hbc owned retail chains, Lord & Taylor, Saks Fifth Avenue, and Saks Off Fifth. It's not clear whether any Canadian stores were affected. The company says there is no indication the breach impacted online shoppers.
0: Meanwhile, Canadian computer expert Christopher Wiley has told a uh, British Parliament Committee last week that the official Brexit campaign had access to data that was inappropriately collected from more than 50 million Facebook users. While these earlier allegations that political consultancy or con, con, political consultant, pardon me, Cambridge Analytica used the data to help Donald Trump's 2016 U.S. election campaign sent Facebook shares plunging. He told British MPs
1: today he believes Canadian consulting firm Aggregate IQ drew on Cambridge Analytica's databases. And played a very significant role in the Leave side winning the referendum on whether Britain should leave the European Union. Wiley and other whistleblowers allege that Vote Leave circumvented spending limits by donating £625,000 to the pro-exit student group B Leave, then sending the money directly to Aggregate IQ, allegations the company denies. So... What could be the impact of the Facebook data scandal in Canada?
0: British historian and political commentator Neil Ferguson spoke to Global National's Eric Sorensen about that.
2: Facebook's advertising tool is probably the most powerful tool in the history of advertising because it can so accurately target the individual user with a customized message that can even be varied according to how the user responds. Nothing at this point changes the fact that that is the core of Facebook's business. And I think the big question to which I can't give you an answer is whether users of Facebook are going to start thinking, wait a minute, I told Mark Zuckerberg way too much and I would like to have my data back and maybe move it someplace else. So, and one last quick question for you, then, what would be your advice, say, to Canadians and and others, uh, and the Canadian government? If this can happen to the United States, or indeed to Britain, because it was a part of the Brexit campaign, too, it can certainly happen to Canada, and Canadians need to be very vigilant, A, about the way their politics is influenced by social media, B, about the way their personal data are used and abused by social media.
1: So once again, to tie it back to the first story that we told you uh, about four and a half minutes ago, this uh, data breach from Hudson's Bay that's affecting Saks Fifth Avenue customers, Lord and Taylor, in the United States, and now this whole idea... That we've been talking about for two weeks now. The fact that Facebook has collected data, much of which I think a lot of us were ignorant to the fact that they were collecting it. And if you knew that they were collecting it, you were certainly unaware of what potentially was happening with it and the way it's been marketed, sold, exchanged uh, across the planet uh, in a variety of different ways for a variety and a diverse set of uh, reasons and elections.
0: Yeah. And in it. They're just taking advantage of the fact that people generally are often just lazy. You know, when you, uh, sometimes you buy stuff online or you sign up for something online and it says, before you can do this, you must read the terms and agreements. Do you ever, do you ever read them? I sure don't. No, I just I, I just don't. kind of look at the list and say, scroll, I and I scroll, 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 scroll. and like, no, I, whatever, I accept.
1: <laughs> I'm guilty, guilty. Um, this is almost inexcusable right now in retrospect. Uh, they have to make those agreements a little bit more common speak though, and they have to be able to break it down into to more common language versus that legalese. I know that that was one of the one of the mandates of the of the cellular industry right that happened over the last few years in terms of those contracts when yeah. they revamped how long you could be in a contract for and they limited the amount of time that you could be in a contract they also had to change the language with which those contracts were written. I'd like to see a similar initiative as it pertains to social media and a variety of other electronic communication where we're expected to accept these terms and conditions that only a lawyer from Harvard may have a chance of knowing exactly what everything means. Change, change, change. This pertains to the fact that we are living through this weather with smiles on our faces like fools or some of the great April Fool's jokes that were perpetrated by a variety of different organizations, public and private. Of course, Easter and April Fool's Day falling on the, on the same day. Uh, I read somewhere how often that happened. The last time Easter fell on the 1st of April was 1956. Won't happen again for over a decade in 2029. So I think that had lulled some folks into a false sense of security as it pertained to April Fool's jokes. Mm -hmm. It also allowed Mm -hmm. parents to be very evil to, to their children on Easter egg hunts. I saw footage of at least one family who was so diabolical as to remove the foil wrappers off Easter cream eggs and replace them with green grapes. (laughs) <laughs> how much do you have to quote unquote love your children to do something like that jerry you seem like a prankster to me did was april 1st typically a day where you uh where you uh rain some uh humor down on people or what
0: you know what no because uh i had too many people do it to me and i got i got posed, and I got scammed so many times, I thought, I'm not doing that to anyone else. Are you gullible,
1: Jerry? Or were you once upon I was, a time? I
0: was. Well, I was the youngest uh, uh, of yes. a, a four. So I always forget that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what were some of the pranks that you enjoyed then yesterday?
1: Well, my favorite one was one from the Forks. Okay. They announced that they were going to be opening uh, a winter dome. On Sunday morning, the Forks said they would be keeping winter activities going all year round with their winter dome. They joked the globe would include skating trails, a toboggan run, and real snow flurries. And this would be located in that area in front of the a Forks main stage. It's an uh, open area right now. And I'm thinking, this shouldn't be a prank. <laughs> this should be something they actually do.
0: Yeah. This is a really good idea. It does sound kind of like a, like a neat idea, especially with the way that that Winnipeg has really embraced winter activities with uh, the river trail being so long this year. That was just a smash hit. Year after year, winter is becoming a bigger party in Winnipeg. I know it's always been there in terms of, you know, there's always been lots of activities, but it just feels like people are really starting to embrace it more. So I think that this is great, especially if you happen to get someone in in the summer who maybe has never experienced winter and wants to... Try it artificially at the very least. Well, I like we're, it.
1: we're going to talk about this new uh, garden that's opening, indoor garden that's replacing the conserva- uh, conservatory at the Cineboin Park. Mm. That kind of brings summer weather indoors all year long. Why can't we do the opposite for the very reasons you just outlined? It might be worth. Having a conversation about, the forks may have unintentionally opened a can of worms here. Um, The mayor uh, was up to uh, dastardly deeds on his uh, social media, suggesting that Winnipeg was set to unveil the world's first
0: off-leash cat park. (laughs) Yeah, isn't a cat park basically anywhere that uh, cats want to go? That's Yes, actually that's true. What about the CFL? I love this one. (laughs) (laughs) CFL tweeted that the
1: next Banjo Bowl was going to be played on the Hudson Bay. CFL to play preseason game on the Hudson Bay. Fans to depart from Churchill, Manitoba to a ship to watch the Blue Bombers take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the inaugural Banjo Bowl battle on the Bay. And it's a picture of... uh, Very large cruise ship with the superimposed picture of the lower bowl of what appears to be Investors Group Field with the CFL logo in the middle. A little bit out of scale, but a great attempt at humor and something that I also would like to see somehow, some way, someday.
0: Yeah, uh, to be able to accommodate that, the ship would have to be just gigantic, but it, it is a great prank. It's a great visual, so good for the CFL as well. One of the ones that I saw... that I couldn't believe, just in terms of the effort that went into it. Mm. I saw on a friend's Facebook page, the headline reads, Disney announces massive $6.5 billion Disneyland Resort for Toronto Islands. And I thought, wow. And then I just Googled it, Disney Toronto, to see if it would pop up, and it was the only one. And then I looked at the date and realized, oh, this gotcha. is an April Fool's joke, but it just, it goes on into great detail about how the ports of Toronto are essentially going to dissolve as Disney converts the islands, the city centre islands, where the, the Billy Bishop Airport... Right. Uh, is that Did I get that name right?
1: Billy Bishop, right? It's a 200-acre airport, okay. and they were going to add on another 150 acres with landfill, as they do in a lot of coastal cities. Uh, they, they just kind of, they just add land either build an island or add on to an island or or uh you know seashore to uh build more area for development and yeah if you weren't paying attention you would have thought geez, they're really going to do this
0: yeah it sounded cuz they they had details on they on uh full architectural details full details on like financing with actual numbers like this group is going <laughs> to yes. contribute x amount of dollars so I sat there looking at this thinking, there's a lot of research that went into this for a prank. And it reminded me of a time where the Winnipeg Sun pulled a prank in April 1st, 2012.
1: They've been really good at this yeah. over the years. And this one you saw, you, you were away, right?
0: Yeah, I was in Miami at the time because uh, at the time my gr- then girlfriend, uh, her friends Amy and Daryl, we're getting married, and we were on our way back, so we're in Miami, and Jade walks over. I guess he managed to get on his phone and uh, get on some Wi-Fi, and he comes back, and he says, guys, listen to this. They're, the Canadian Museum for Human Rights is no more. They're going to turn it into a water park. <laughs> so he just was reading the headline, right? We didn't see, couldn't see the pictures, so we're sitting in Miami Airport going, holy smokes. You know, And I, I said, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Because I think the headline was, hang on, I've got it here. It says, cash-strapped. Uh, oh, ah, come on, cash-strapped. Rights museum to be converted to water park. So I was under the impression, well, they have run out of funding. So if they can't do that, then why not do this? You know, you know, some of these
1: pranks by some of these media outlets are pretty darn funny, but they have some sense and sensibility. I think of all the ones I've seen over the years. And I'm going to put the Forks one aside because I don't know how everybody feels about it, but over the years, that might be the one, with all due respect to the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, might be the one that most Winnipeggers thought and hoped would be a reality Mm -hmm. and that that was...
0: an accurate story. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't see the pictures at the time. Once I saw the the full spread in the Winnipeg Sun and saw the the artist renderings of <laughs> the, the the pre the already built caverns that had been converted into water, it just it looked ridiculous. But just from from listening to it, sitting in an airport, having someone tell me this story, I thought that sounds pretty cool.
1: And I think uh, Winnipeg Sun also r- ruffled some fe- feathers when they suggested that. Ikea was going to Saskatoon before coming to Winnipeg, <laughs> Okay, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I mentioned the Ikea one this yes. morning in the newsroom, but in retrospect, I think what they actually did was do that. It wasn't that IKEA was coming to Winnipeg, but that it was going to Saskatoon Okay. when people, of course, had been clamoring for IKEA to come to Winnipeg for a decade or more, and uh, that headline didn't come true, but it was a little bit of a crystal ball headline in the fact that IKEA came to
0: Winnipeg just a couple of years later. So if you've ever pranked anybody or been pranked on April Fools and you want to share it with us, 204 780 eight six6868 text us, email brett at c CJOB.com GMAC at CJOB.com. Yeah! One, two, three. Three things with Chanelie Vidal. Three things that may seem hard to believe but are not. April Fools. Hi.
4: Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Greg. Happy Monday.
0: Yeah, I just got a little bit better. Uh our
1: executive producer, Kim Lawson, showed up at work this morning, and if her presence isn't uh, gift enough, she brought the donuts that we ordered. So thank you, Kim. Uh, I hate a- to tell you, but you set a dangerous precedence. We may be shooting for something more than donuts next time. We ask for things on air uh, in your stead. Anyway, thank you, Kim. Well, I guess you, we'll,
4: we'll enjoy our double treat day Yes, we, we, will. we can.
1: Absolutely. So some, some headlines that... Maybe look like April Fool jokes, but the the stories turn out to be true. Yeah,
4: kind of. Well, kind of a little uh, unbelievable. This first one's super shocking now, especially if you got little ones in the car. Heads up. Uh, Over the past week or so, details have been emerging about a self-help group that is alleged to be a sex trafficking cult. And the group is called Nexium. Leader Keith Rainier was arrested and charged with keeping women as sex slaves and branding them as his property. Uh, Vancouver actress Sarah Edmondson, Edmondson is a former member of Nexian, and she is alleging that she was blindfolded and branded in New York last year. That's not shocking enough. It gets even more incredulous. Uh, former Sm- Smallville star, remember the show Smallville about uh, Superman when he was younger? Yes. Well, Alison Mack was on that show, and she has been accused of recruiting young women into the cult in order to turn them into sex slaves. My word. I'm not making this up. This is You can actually see the story on our website, globalnews.ca. Uh, Mack is believed to have assumed control of the group after Rainier's arrest and is expected to be arrested next. The charges against Rainier, of course, are only allegations that have not been proven in court. And he isn't presumed innocent unless he's been proven guilty. He faces a minimum fifteen-year sentence up to life imprisonment if he's convicted. Like, shocking. A shocking. And I just I saw that I had I uh, saw it was posted on uh, GlobalNews.ca. I had no words. I was gobsmacked.
1: Yeah, it's uh, yeah. You told us about this earlier. Yeah. Uh, what else is. Uh, taking your breath away this morning that uh, maybe ought to be an April Fool's joke.
4: Well, this one's taking your your, your time away for sure. Uh, its We heard this one during the 8 o'clock news. Worth mentioning again, because it's going to be causing a lot of people to sit and stare in front of their computer screens in frustration. So those of you who got the day off today, you're probably spending it doing a lot of waiting. Because uh, if you're planning on spending a doing a camping vacation with the family... You could have a tough time getting a spot because the lineups for White Shell and other provincial parks have begun as of 7 a.m. this morning. So that's for Winnipeg Beach and all campgrounds in the White Shell. So, again, we're hearing it's a huge lineup. Our boss, Brent Williamson, sent us an email and told us that he hit refresh at 6.59 a.m. on the booking website and was the 2,3331st person in line. Uh, around 7.30, I went to check it out and I was... 50, uh, the 5,800th uh, and person. So you're probably going to be around 6,000 if you're getting in line right now. And only an hour after those lineups have begun.
1: Sounds reasonable. Yeah. <laughs>
4: It just, I know, it just sounds, it it sounds just, shouldn't be that difficult to put a camping spot, huh? Well,
1: for for something that could be so archaic (laughs) and you put technology in place and then for it to remain archaic just seems bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, maybe it's just an indication of how... Popular camping is in Manitoba, and, and how much people like certain sites. So uh, maybe we shouldn't be so upset about this. It's an indication how much we love.
4: Well, and I think it's a twofold thing. I think it's partially it is a technology, but partially it, it is that camping is such a big popular thing because because our are we have such beautiful outdoors and. A summer is so short, we want to enjoy it, and it, camping is just such a huge thing. It's a great thing to spend with your family, and it's an affordable vacation. Now, by the way, if you're not able to get in at, at White Shell or Winnipeg Beach this morning, you can try your luck on Wednesday because that's when all the other uh, that's when all the other provincial parks open for camping. Of course, Birds Hill already opened up last month, but there's still several others that are going to be opening up on Wednesday at 7 a.m., so set your alarm a little bit earlier.
0: Reservations for camping it's, I'm glad i'm I'm not a camper. It just sounds stressful, man.
1: Mm-hmm. They do it staggered starts in Ontario. We've gone to rushing river in the in the in the past. and so I think you can advance or book your campsite in advance four months. so it's a little bit mm-hmm. of a staggered based on when you want to be there. It might be something that Manitoba ought to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened What's happening in New York City? It's snowing today. Opening day for the New York Yankees, snow on the ground, snow falling, but uh, other interesting stuff happening outside New York's Trump International Hotel.
4: Other interesting, it's funny because New York, and it's funny because you're just mentioning, and when I think of New York, I think of rats. Yes. Rats and, and insects and creepy crawlies and stuff. Well, the t- this one's kind of funny because the Trump International Hotel in New York City unwittingly hosted a guerrilla art show of, of uh, an anti-Trump exhibit this week. So activist art group, they're called In Decline. They posted a video of the stunt they conducted inside a suite of the hotel. Inside. So, inside. It featured a Trump impersonator inside of a jail cell. And he, he was surrounded by live rats.
0: Interesting.
4: And not just live rats. McDonald's wrappers.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, boy.
4: (laughs) So the group checked in on Thursday, but they they had cleared everything out before checking out early yesterday morning, which is the the proper thing to do when you check out of a hotel. You know, you take all your stuff with you and and don't leave it a mess for the hotel staff.
0: Don't leave your rats behind. (laughs) Well, Shanley Vidal, thank you very much. Three things with Shanley heard every day after the 8 o'clock news on 680 CJOB.
1: Today is the final Day, the Assiniboine Park Conservatory is open to the public. The building is slated for demolishment. Construction for the Conservatory's replacement, Canada's Diversity Gardens, has already begun in the southeast corner of the park. It's the final major phase of the redevelopment of Assiniboine Park and meant to celebrate cultural and biodiversity with three external gardens, a main building with tropical plants, and a butterfly garden.
0: We are joined live on 680 CJOB now by Laura Kabak, Marketing and Communication Specialist, for the Assiniboine Park Conservancy. Laura, good morning. Thanks for joining us today.
6: Good morning. My pleasure.
0: So the first thing I wanted to ask you is when when the conservatory is closed, what happens to all the plants that are in that building?
6: So uh, we plan to relocate and find new homes for as much of the plant material as possible. So, for example, um, the Palm House, which is the um, tropical room in the conservatory, we have a similar um, building over at the zoo, the Toucan Ridge, which is um, has uh, a lot of uh, Central and South American animals. So that building will take as many of the tropical plants as we can, relocate. Some of the um, potted material and the flowers will find new homes in the gardens. And, um, you know, the potted material can be moved to other buildings, such as the Pavilion. The larger woody material in the conservatory, unfortunately, some of those trees in there are... Very, very old. And uh, due to their age and their size, you know, relocating them just isn't possible, which is unfortunate, but um, we're going to, where possible, salvage that wood and uh, repurpose it um, for future use.
1: Laura, and, and not not to belabor the point, but do you, do you know what percentage of those tropical plants will be relocated? Uh, and for those of my age that maybe have not been to the zoo, uh, we might have known the building that's now called Toucan Ridge. That was the tropical house when I was a kid. So just so people can visualize that. Do we know the percentage of, of those plants that will be able to be moved?
6: No, sorry, I don't have a percentage on that. I'm not even sure that anyone has an exact percentage. Um, you know, at this point, because some of it, until we get in there and start moving things, you know, we'll figure that out to some degree as we go. But, um, you know, as much as we can, we will find new homes for.
1: Well, one of the questions that's uh, being asked and has been asked over the weekend is why didn't the conservatory simply stay open until the new garden is built and completed? And then that way there would be a, an even uh, larger home for some of these plants that have been, been uh, gracing the conservatory for so many years?
6: There's a couple of factors uh, that went into that decision. So if you go back in time, when the Assembling Park Conservancy took over operation of the park and zoo, even back then, um, feasibility studies had taken place that said the conservatory was past its viable lifespan. Renovating it would not achieve the results that uh, we were looking for in terms of improving the visitor experience and so on. Um, But it was very clear that uh, people were very attached to that kind of experience in Winnipeg. So the decision was made then to create a new horticultural attraction and eventually close the conservatory. So then it came down to timing. And there's a couple of things happening there. Um, One is that uh, in the construction timeline for Canada's diversity gardens, the site where the conservatory is will be the site for greenhouses that service that. So there's a process that has to happen Um, interim between the Conservatory closing and CDG, or Canada's Diversity Gardens opening. But also the problem we were having is um, we were experiencing quite significant operational and mechanical challenges with the Conservatory. It's an old building. Some parts of that building date back to 1914 when the original Palm House was constructed. In fact, the day we announced the closing um, in one part of the building, the floor heaved and cracked a bunch of tiles. It's just, it's been a challenge and the decision was made to schedule the closing so that the community could come and say goodbye. Um, We were fearful that something was going to happen that would require us to shut the doors immediately and not give the community that opportunity. And we thought um, it was a much better way to give this, you know, this sort of iconic Winnipeg building a proper farewell.
0: Laura Kayback is Marketing and Communication Specialist for the Sunboyne Park Conservancy. We're talking about how today is the last day for the conservatory uh, before it is closed for good. And Laura, what is going to be different about the leaf, other than the fact that it's new uh, than the conservatory?
6: Canada's uh, Diversity Gardens as a whole aims to provide a little bit of a different experience. It, it aims through the experiences that happen in the gardens and in the leaf to make a connection through interpretation, through events, through programming, between um, the world of plant diversity, biodiversity, the diversity in nature, and cultural diversity. If you look back over cultures and over time, plants are a common denominator, whether it's for food, medicine, beauty, art, um, all kinds of human experiences are tied to plants. So. There will be that kind of um, experience delivered throughout Canada's diversity gardens. But there will be similarities to the conservatory. There will be a tropical biome. It will be much larger than the current one in the conservatory. There will be a Mediterranean biome. There will be a display uh, biome, which is similar to what we have in the conservatory now, but I believe about three times larger. And then there will be a butterfly garden that's actually elevated above ground level. So... um, a a similar experience, but I think um, to call the leaf a replacement for the conservatory really doesn't do it justice. It's a lot more than that. It's a modern experience. And I think it's something that people in Winnipeg, uh, I hope, share excitement about.
1: The other correlation, the other question uh, has to do with uh, entrance fees. Of course, the conservatory has been free uh, I believe since it opened, the, the zoo at Assiniboine Park was free for decades and decades. There was trepidation when an entrance fee was added. Uh, I don't know if anyone can argue with the results and the projects and the incredible infrastructure that's been created since an admission fee was, was part of the package and part of the deal of going to the zoo. Uh, that's one concern that people have about the diversity garden is that they, they will have an entrance fee attached.
6: Uh, yeah, we've heard that concern, and, and we are sensitive to it. As you mentioned, the zoo was at one time free. Um, I believe an admission fee for the zoo was brought in in uh, the early to mid-90s, uh, well before um, the Assembly Park Conservancy took over operation of the park and zoo. Um, free only gets you so far, and um, you know there are a lot of things um, that the city operates that are built and Um, made possible with public funds that do charge an admission. In Canada's diversity gardens, we're we're trying to provide a balance of free and admission-based experiences. So the gardens outside the leaf will be uh, free and accessible to the public year-round, just as the Leo Mole and English Gardens and other green spaces are in the park at present. Uh, The leaf admission to the biomes within the leaf, there will be an admission fee for that. Um, We don't know what it will be at this point. There's still further research and planning that needs to take place. We do intend to have a membership program to make repeat visits uh, much more um, uh, accessible uh, for folks who who do want to do that. Um, But it's also, I think, important to remember that um, only 40% of our operating budget for the park comes from a grant from the City of Winnipeg. So the other 60%, we have to find other revenue streams. That and that makes possible uh, things in the park that are accessible for free year-round. So the nature playgrounds, the gardens, the pavilion art galleries, skating on the Riley Family Duck Pond, the Terry Fox Fitness Trail, all the music and movies that are offered at the Lyric Theater throughout the summer. Those are all free experiences. So so there's a balance, um, but we are sensitive to the needs of our community and do intend to uh, create some programs to help remove financial barriers for those with the greatest need.
0: Laura Kayback, Marketing and Communication Specialist for Assiniboine Park Conservancy. Thank you so much for joining us on this Easter Monday. We appreciate the access.
6: You're welcome. My pleasure.
1: Talk a little bit about the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards this past weekend at the Metropolitan Entertainment Centre. And first impression, first thing I'll say... It felt very, very big time. So congratulations to the organizers, including Jordan Earl, his partner at 441 Maine. He's here to talk about the awards and the new patio smoking ban, which uh, in essentially day one here, Jordan seems to have a little bit of confusion attached to it, if, if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly.
7: Sure. I mean, I, I went on the uh, provincial website this morning, couldn't find a lot of information on it. Um, obviously, we need to make sure that uh, for the... The next time we're going to be open this weekend that we fully understand the ban and therefore complying with everything. But my understanding is, is that it's going to affect uh, bars, restaurants, nightclubs that uh, serve alcohol or serve food on their patios. Um, us, for example, that that's not the case. It really is more of just a smoking area that we have outside. And I know there's a lot of other, well, several other nightclubs in the city that have kind of the same thing where they're not serving on these patios, but they're really just a secured outside area to allow someone to pop out for a smoke.
0: Yeah, we, we have been trying to figure it out for sure because uh, Scott Jawson with the Manitoba Hotels Association, we asked him on the news with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham, so what about those, if you just have a, a fenced-off area like you just mm-hmm. described? And he said, the way I understand it, that's a no-go as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. So that there is some confusion on that. Uh, everything I've read says if there's food and drink served, Then no smoking. 100%. But uh, we went to, we were at an event just over here at uh, Tijuana Event Center on Thursday, and uh, some of our friends asked the manager there if their smoking pen is okay, because they have, like, it's just like going out into a box, basically. And their their manager seems to think it's okay so it's all very confusing. What is for those who are unfamiliar with your current setup, you would uh, smokers come out of the club onto Banatine
7: to have a smoke? Yeah, yeah, on the side on Banatine there's a back door entrance. Um, secured area in the summer. It's quite a bit bigger. It kind of goes out onto the sidewalk a bit there and it's all fenced in. And in the wintertime, it's a smaller secured area. But we have staff out there that ensure that uh, everyone's kind of not coming back in and we're controlling who enters. And it's really just an outside place for people to go out and catch a cigarette. You know, and we were surmising and
1: speculating about what this would mean if the way Scott Jocelyn presented to us was the case where these pens essentially have to come down, it has to be open area, that would pose or cause a a lot of undue stress, not only for patrons, but for operators as well, because that would mean you would be leaving the premise Mm -hmm. anytime you left for a cigarette and would have to clear all the same protocols. Obviously, if you wanted to allow people to, to cut line in order to come back in, that would be an operator decision. But in terms of security and otherwise, Uh, it means, I would imagine, re-clearing whatever security protocols you have in place.
7: Well, sure, and that's a primary concern, and that's something that's obviously very important to us and anyone else who's in this industry is making sure that those who are coming in have have gone through those security protocols and pat-downs and checked identification and all those good things. And so if you don't have a secured area where they can go outside to do that, I mean, yeah, how, how do you do that? I mean, I guess you just run them through it all again.
0: You say you don't serve on your patio even during the summertime. No. Um, are there tables or
7: anything on that patio in the summer? No, there aren't. So there's uh, there's no service outside. We uh, our our liquor license does not um, extend to the outdoor area. So uh, all drinks are left inside. And again, even in the summertime, it's really just an outside area for people to go out and smoke or catch some some air as well.
0: We got a couple of minutes left here. Winnipeg Nightlife Awards we're on Friday at the Met Global Morning Global News. Morning, Shannon Coozes, the anchor. She won Best TV Personality, so congratulations to Shannon. Maclean McGarry presented Best Pizza. Santa Lucia won that honor while I try to restrict my pizza consumption to 5 days a week. Yes, very good. Sometimes <laughs> it doesn't really work. So they they, cho- they chose wisely when they asked us to present that award. We thought it was spectacular. How did you feel about it, Jordan?
7: Oh, I I think all of us felt that the awards were uh, a great evening, I think. People had a great time and there was a lot of uh, a lot of really cool talent in the city that was recognized, and again, it, it felt more like a Winnipeg awards than a nightlife awards to me last or on Friday night.
1: Really. Yeah, and you know, and, and I think it just kind of encompasses this renewed confidence that Winnipeg has about itself to celebrate itself in in such a fashion. And uh, I, I'm I'm glad that this is happening, and, and so proud of uh, everyone that was involved in this, and it, and it came across so big league, and so congratulations, congratulations to you and everyone involved in, in putting the awards on. A, oh, no, hopefully there'll you. be a
0: fourth annual. Oh, absolutely, without question. Bigger yeah. and better. Yeah, one of the things that I really enjoyed was the the cross-section of culture and mm-hmm. age. And, you know, you saw people from all kinds of different ages, from all different walks of life, uh, who came together for this sort of unique event. How are the winners determined? Because you have the website where you can vote. Yeah, yeah. Is it entirely voted on by fans or by, by people who go logging on? Or
7: does the committee that you're a part of have a play a part in picking the winners? Really good question. In fact, a question I've probably been asked uh, two dozen times in the last week and a half. Um, So in the initial (laughs) rounds, the committee did have a vote in determining sort of the finalists for each round, and it was uh, 70-30. So 70% public voting, 30% uh, the committee cast votes as well. In the final rounds, we actually decided not to participate in the voting at all, just so that we truly let uh, the public entirely decide. So the committee had no say in the final winners. It was entirely based on the online public voting, which I know we talked about Last time I was here, before the awards, um, the engagement was amazing, and it just continued to pick up and pick up right until the end, so.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, well, it was big league. I know our friend Elena Billis, we've interviewed her before with Black Caviar Productions. She ran a really tight ship. We were super impressed. We we'd heard it was big time, but you, it's hard, you, you imagine one thing, and then you get there. I haven't been to the Met since 1983, when my dad took me to see Return of the Jedi. Uh, Twice, actually, because the first time I got really scared when the Rancor monster came out, so I (laughs) I had to leave because I was six years old, and then I made him take me again the next week because I wanted to be a big man. Um, But hey, congratulations. Hopefully you're involved next year, and you'll come back and tell us about it. I certainly plan to. Thank you very much. Jordan Earl, partner at 441 Maine and part of the committee for the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards. Right now, we want to talk about how Major League Baseball season opened last week for games, uh, you know, one through four thousand or however many. The- <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm really just beating this joke to the to death at this point. That's alright. Right. You, yeah. you
1: know what? You, you can milk it for all you want.
0: <laughs> so it means that tickets for some of those games could soon be appearing on ticket reselling websites. And there was a recent story on the Toronto Stars website that uncovered the Toronto Blue Jays have been making a profit on tickets sold on StubHub. With the Winnipeg Jets making it to the playoffs,
1: that's one cause for celebration. But we're also wondering whether that's a potential scenario here. So joining us live on 680 CJOB is Kevin Donnelly, Senior VP of Venues and Entertainment for True North Sports and Entertainment. Good morning, Kevin. Thanks for taking some time with us. No problem. Good morning. Now, we know uh, that uh, that this is going to be a hot ticket in town. There's no question about it. And We can talk about the sure. overall reselling uh, procedures uh, if, if you can in just a, a little bit. But does does the NHL or the Winnipeg Jets have a similar agreement with StubHub or other mm-hmm. ticket resellers?
8: Well, the Winnipeg Jets absolutely do, do not, and we don't have any deals with any resellers whatsoever. Uh, Major League Baseball, I believe, has a, has a league-wide deal with StubHub, But it's uh, nothing that the Jets are a part of or would look at in the future.
0: Why wouldn't you look at it?
8: I think the idea of knowing who's selling your tickets and knowing who's buying your tickets is something that we value a lot. So we want to have a direct relationship with as many people as we can. We'd rather sell to our fans directly, know who's buying, know what their patterns are, know how to treat them and, and learn what they expect instead of having somebody else try to do that for us.
1: Now, Kevin, I'm a, a Jet season ticket holder myself, so I get all the uh, all the uh, advance notice of uh, season sure. ticket changes, all the daily reports or pregame reports, and also that idea of when I sell my tickets of transferring my tickets to those that I'm selling them to. Why is that important to the Jets?
8: Well, the, at the end of the day, you want to know who your fan is. You want to know who your customer is, and, and again, you want to learn how to best how to best service them. So the, the idea of connecting that dot, we provide a platform for you to sell your tickets on our seat exchange, then we can monitor who buys it, and then we can speak to those people directly. Maybe they want a dinner reservation or they want a discount at their, at their jet scare store or whatever the case might be. It allows us, and any business would want to have a direct relationship with their customer.
0: I'm just looking at the Toronto Star story right now, and the headline uh, is, it's clearly a little little leaning in one direction but says Jay's getting a cut from online scalpers. Yeah, yeah. Um is this ethical for them to be involved in this? Maybe you can't comment on, it, but would it be ethical for any organization to, to want to do this?
8: Uh, you know I I think that lots of uh, lots of sports franchises have relationships with brokers and they're feeding tickets to the brokers and then allowing them to sell them and there's a couple reasons why you do that. It allows you to put tickets on a discounted level out there without you taking the heat for it. So there's, you know, there, there are lots of examples of why sports teams that have too much inventory and not enough demand would want to use a discount service to get some tickets out there. But, um, you know, whether the, the Jay should have disclosed their relationship or not, I mean, it would be up for them to decide, you know, what information they want to share with their customers.
1: And for those that haven't used the ticket exchange, uh, Kevin, how does that work? And is there a surcharge or, or a fee for using that as a customer?
8: I think there's a small fee, but there's more. There's a commission that's charged to the seller, so the seller pays the majority of the expense. There is, there is, I believe, 10% that goes to the purchaser. But what it does, it allows people to sell. There's a limit of what the price can be set at. So we allow people to sell their season ticket at the walk-up at the walk-up price. So that season ticket holder gets a bit of a, a, a premium for selling it through through our platform. But it allows us to say that this is a legitimate, guaranteed entry where you can, or port, port where you can get a ticket. Any other reseller site, you are not guaranteed that that's an actual valid ticket. So we, we've made this service available. We encourage people to use it. If you're looking to sell or purchase uh, tickets for an individual game, it guarantees your ticket is valid. And that is really the biggest bone of contention we have with the resale market is that there's bad actors out there and they're selling fraudulent tickets, and the consumer has no way to know if what they're buying is legitimate or not.
1: Now, how often do you encounter that, Kevin? Or how often do uh, individuals that have bought tickets on the uh, open market, so to speak, uh, show up at Bell MTS Place only be only to be disappointed that their tickets will not get them in the building?
8: I would not be exaggerating if I told you every single event we do. Every single event we do, we have somebody that has bought us a, a ticket from an unauthorized reseller site and shows up and the ticket is invalid. Hey, uh, while
0: well, we have you here, Mr. Donnelly, just wanted to ask sure. you a quick question about the Jets and the playoffs. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. assuming there's going to be a run on merchandise for the Jets uh, over and above the the usual uh, fanfare. Are you guys ready for that onslaught?
8: I think our merchandise guys have been dreaming and hoping for these these coming games. So, yeah, I think that we're prepared. I know that there's some new uh, white and whiteout themed uh, merchandise in, in the stores and throughout the city, so... Uh, it's exciting times in every department, merchandise sales, no less, for sure.
1: And so, Kevin, uh, to wrap things up here, if I've got tickets that I want to sell for playoff games, uh, what are my limitations? And, and if I'm buying them, what should I be conscientious of in terms of uh, paying too much and, and where you folks might get involved? Because I imagine uh, that you're keeping an eye on that secondary market from above.
8: Well, as much as we can. I mean, we've been trying to uh, participate and cooperate with the provincial government. They talked about reviewing the, the resale laws at the last throne speech, I think, a year ago. So we've been trying to push along uh, changes to the to that legislation so that we can participate more more openly. But at the moment, all we can tell people is that if you want to buy or sell a ticket and do it in a legitimate way that you know that, you're, that the seat you're purchasing is guaranteed to be legitimate – is through our resale program called Seat Exchange through Ticketmaster. Uh, there are limitations. You're limited. The seller's only limited to to price it at the walk-up price for that individual seat. So you can't price it at 3 or 400% or whatever you feel you might want to get for it. Uh, but it is the only way for a consumer to buy a ticket that they know guaranteed is a legitimate seat.
0: All right, Kevin Donnelly. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. As always, we appreciate the access. Thank you. Kevin Donnelly, Senior Vice President, Venues and Entertainment for True North Sports and Entertainment, weighing in on this story out of Toronto from the Toronto Star. The headline, Jays getting a cut from online scalpers, and this investigation found that 45% of all stadium seats or 20,519 tickets for the opening day game were posted for sale on ticket reselling platforms like StubHub, and the average price for those online seats was 205% of face value and the Blue Jays took a cut from that, but that's a large markup that will soon be illegal in Ontario.
1: And you uh, talk about if you can't beat them, join them, right? Yeah. You know, the Blue Jays and uh, a variety of sporting franchises across North America, across the world, and, of course, concerts uh, have a similar fate. The resell and resale market, Really have a a little bit of a monopoly, it seems, uh, when it comes to certain events. If you do not go through a reseller, um, if you don't get those tickets in the first 90 seconds for a lot of the big events, you're not getting them, period. Like the the Jets games in Finland, uh, you know, the Jets are going to be playing two regular season games uh, over in Helsinki in November. The tickets for those two games sold out in less than 11 minutes. What? Yes. Really? Yeah, so the only way you're going to get tickets for those games now are going to be on the secondary market. Who are they playing? Florida Panthers. Both games? Both games. Okay. So each team uh, gives up a a home game, one of the 41 that each plays uh, every year. So the Jets will only play uh, downtown regular season games 40 times next year. Rip off! Uh, It saves me a few (laughs)
8: bucks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't confirm this. But La Traviata is a tragic opera about employees who work with others who have Easter Monday off and have to come to work. I, I don't know for sure, but this is a rumor that I'm, that I'm hearing around this table.
0: Especially in a building that is divided by a short skywalk where on one side it's the broadcast people, and then the other side is sales and administration. And That's the right. sales and administration side is is off today.
1: I didn't realize it was such an age-old story. Yeah. It goes back to Italy, uh, who knows how many hundreds of years ago. Let's dig down. Let's find out the, the truth. You want the truth, we'll get you the truth. <laughs> Greg Mackley and Brett McGarry with you on this Monday
0: morning. The Manitoba Opera is presenting Verdi's La Traviata this month at the Centennial Concert Hall. There will be three shows, April 14th, 17th, and the 20th. La Traviata is the story of... Well, you know what? Don't let me tell you the story. Let's find out the story from Darlene Ronald from the Manitoba Opera, who joins us now live in studio. And Darlene, we surmised that the story was, uh... was about, you know, employees divided... But I I suspect that's not the the case.
3: Well, good morning. And, you know, there is a connection, though, between you guys over here and Violetta, the main uh, heroine in, in La Traviata, because she was an outsider. She was cut off from a group of society, and you guys here are cut off from the others <laughs> that have gone off today and ha- away, so there is a connection there. I love
1: it. You could write our segues for us. <laughs> Very nicely done. I appreciate that. So, La Traviata, uh, where does it rank in terms of popularity? Is it, is it one of the more popular operas?
3: Oh, most definitely. Uh, since the get-go, it's been one that's grabbed people's hearts, and it's just one of those ultimate tragic get your Kleenex out out kind of love stories, Uh, and based on a true story as well, which gives it that extra level of, you know, double tears coming down at the same time. Uh, And it's basically about a woman who uh, chose not to. She had lots of partying in her life and uh, lots of fun, uh, but never fell for anyone. Young man meets her, they fall in love, she decides to go for it. What's his name? His name's Alfredo. And her name? Her name's Violetta. Okay, that's and, right, you mentioned uh, Violetta. And we've set our show in 1920s Paris, so glamorous world, when you think of all those crazy dances that were going on, those beautiful dresses with the beadwork and the men in tuxedos. I mean, it's beautiful visually. It's a brand new set and brand new costumes that we're premiering here in Winnipeg, so anyone coming to the shows is part of a world premiere, so that's kind of cool.
1: No kidding.
3: Yeah, and the I mean this is an opera that the singing uh, and the music is phenomenal. Uh, it's by Verdi, who's, uh, you know, long dead, but his music lives on. It's kind of like Prince and Michael Jackson. And um, and the, the singing, we've got some phenomenal uh, people with us, some from our very own community, and some uh, who've never sung here before, including a woman who's come here to sing the Violetta. She's Going to, She's already been singing at places like the Met, and she's going to be singing at places um, in Europe that of the same kind of level. So we're really lucky to get her, and uh, people will not be disappointed when they see her on stage, as well as some very, very acclaimed people like uh, James Westman, who's a who's a, uh, Canadian who sung with us a few times, and he's singing The Father. And the father of Alfredo comes to visit Violetta one day and says, You know what? Would you mind, like... Kind of disappearing because you're being in my hus- in my uh, son's life is impacting his sister's chances of getting married.
1: He's like Victor Newman. He- He's trying to get rid of anyone <laughs> who tries to get into Nicholas's life, and he'll pay them off if required. So I can relate
8: to this there story you go. suddenly. So
3: there's the father saying, come on, you know, like, take one here. If you really loved my son. Get, you know, stop seeing him. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah.
1: This story rings true to several episodes of The Young <laughs> and Restless. No question about it. Uh, you mentioned the fact that you've got this up and coming American soprano, Angel Blue, coming in. And off air, you were saying, like, you might want to come and see her this time because it might be on her farewell tour in <laughs> 60 years that she comes back to Winnipeg.
3: It, it could be although we have many artists who go on to great things who have a very soft spot in their heart for Winnipeg and Manitoba Opera. We we punch above our weight and and they appreciate that and they love the opportunity and the collaborative atmosphere that we have in this city in our opera world but also as we all know how we we just that's who we are in Winnipeg. We collaborate. We make things happen. And uh, we do that at Manitoba Opera as well.
0: And you're collaborating with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra Well, we
3: Yes, we hire the our wonderful WSO. They're in the pit, and we've got a huge chorus for this show, 40 people on the stage as well as all the cast. Nobody uses mics. When you come to the concert hall to see one of our productions, and those singers are belting out their tunes over the orchestra, and you're in the back seat of the second balcony, I think that's cool that it's still being done with no technolo- technological enhancements. That's all. It's just their voices belting it out, and that's pretty cool.
1: But there is one technological advance that you do implore, and that is, or employ, and that is the fact that the subtitles are digitally available. So if you want to keep along with the story in English, you can do that.
3: Yes, that's right. Right above the stage, just like if you were going to a foreign movie and there's the subtitles in Opera Land, we have subtitles and they're above the stage and they give you an idea of what what's going on with the story and what they're saying to each other because it is sung in Italian, but that's okay. Um, love is a universal language and you don't need to know what's being sung to know what's happening in the story.
0: Why not use mics uh, because the the stereo system in the Centennial Concert Hall is quite magnificent. Is it just? Is it because the voices are too powerful for uh, a, a stereo like that?
3: Uh, exactly. They don't need to use mics in, in that capacity, so we don't. And then that... Is a whole other you know ball game then in terms of that, but that's the tradition of the of the art form at this point in terms of, and for us what we we can do that at the concert hall, so that's the way we prefer to do it. Uh, and uh, it makes it such a pure kind of experience when you're sitting there in the audience.
1: I've seen so many different performances over the years, different art groups in and, and Winnipeg, and we have such incredible art here. Uh, but uh, the testimony to the power of good design and the concert hall, one of the one of the best buildings of its type anywhere, I can remember seeing Chantal Kravjadzic, perform with the WSO, and for her final two or three songs, she just sat at the edge of the stage, no microphones whatsoever with her acoustic guitar, and it didn't matter where you were in that building, you could hear her. And there is something special about that unfiltered, that undigitized version Mm -hmm. of a human voice.
3: Yes. I agree, hundred percent. I'm getting goosebumps and then thinking about it. M- multiply that it. by more voices, or when there is just one person singing, you know, those notes that just reach you, give you goosebumps, and. You know, you're reaching for the, you know, the shoulder of the person you're with, or she might be reaching for a little bit of tissue in her purse, <laughs> who knows? But, uh, yeah, it's a great story. There's there's a lot of familiar music. I will not attempt to sing it by any means, but people will hear it and go, oh, I recognize that, I recognize that. Um, so I always encourage someone who thinks, oh, I would never go to an opera, that's not for me, that's all... It's just not for me. Come, try it, wear jeans, wear a long dress. Just give it a go. It's a cool experience. There's lots of people like you and I there. And don't be afraid. Um, and if you absolutely hate it, you get hold of me and I'll work something out for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that, and that's, uh, I think, a mentality that many of us have. And I know that I've had that. I had that attitude towards the ballet. And then I tried it. And, of course, I loved it. And I, <laughs> I had that attitude towards live musicals. And I... I thought, I don't really want to, I don't like musicals. and But I, when you see it in person, it's a completely different experience and it kind of shatters your expectations or your preconceived notions. Uh, so that's why I try to now keep an open mind about everything because I've, I find my life is way more enriched when that's I right. allow myself to try these new things.
3: And I mean, we have amazing experiences in the basements of our homes now with surround sound and big screen TVs, but you still cannot beat... Being at a live performance with other people around you, that experience is something that you just can never get uh, when you're at home. So give it a go once in a while.
1: Well, you uh, were so uh, gracious in bringing Greg Dahl to v- visit us uh, last year and last season. And that was for Pagliacci, right? Was it not? Or am uh, I mistaken?
3: Yeah, no, he was here for fall stuff. It was a comedy, though. But yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh so thank you for the access thank you for bringing this to us how do people get tickets and uh uh, uh, one of the one of the uh, performances. One more time, if you don't mind. Well,
3: we do have our own box office. <clears throat> Much like Kevin was talking about earlier with the Jets, we too like to be in touch with our people, our peeps. Uh, you can give us a call at 204-944-8824. We have an uh, online option as well, ManitobaOpera.mb.ca, and we open a week this Saturday. So that's the fourteenth of April. Then go with shows on the seventeenth and the twentieth, and you're an early person I, the 17th starts at 7 so you can be home and watching the news by you know by 10 30.
0: love it <laughs> manitobaopera.mb.ca la traviata Verdi's la traviata the ultimate love story that will melt your heart darlene ronald from the manitoba opera thanks for coming to tell us about la traviata
3: anytime thanks guys
0: That's all the time we have. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Thanks to Behind the Glass Jerry and Shanelie Vidal. And thank you for listening to CJOB.